I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. Like you're actually better off not stretching at all than static stretching before a workout. Uh, static stretching has been shown to increase injury risk and decrease performance. And kind of the benchmark I give everybody is that you should be performing an effective active stretching routine anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes a day, three times a week prevent pain injury as well as move better in life and do the things that we love to do in life i'll say it i hate stretching i've never liked it i've always found it tedious and annoying but apparently it's pretty damn important and apparently all of us are doing it wrong have you this week done a static stretch where you take your body to its full range of motion and hold it tisk 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 that's not the right way to do it this week's episode is with dr grayson wickham and he's on a mission to help the world move better, perform better, decrease pain, and live better lives. He's the founder of Movement Vault, which is an app dedicated to help you stretch in the best way possible for your goals. Flat out, we're all stretching incorrectly. And when we can learn the proper ways to stretch that I've already started to employ, which is to stretch and then squeeze the muscle that you're stretching, you get stronger, you get more limber, you prevent injury, and uh, I'm all about that life. You can go and find him at the Movement Vault on whatever sort of app store you're on, and uh, enjoy this episode because it breaks down something very simple that all of us can and should be doing to be better in our performance, optimal in our performance. As always, you can find me on Instagram at McCormick, or go to seanmccormick.com and find show archives and discounts on biohacking products. And uh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. If you feel compelled, I would really appreciate a five-star review and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, Dr. Grayson Wickham. I'm here with Dr. Grayson Wickham. He's a doctor of physical therapy and the creator of the Movement Vault stretching app. Grayson, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I, I want to start real straightforward. Do we all have to stretch? 100%. So the analogy that I make to, you know, and teach everyone is with teeth brushing, right? So we all kind of get the importance of brushing our teeth, hopefully, right? Like brush it once, twice, three times a day, depending on how, you know, crazy you are with your teeth brushing. But essentially what is teeth brushing it's teeth maintenance so that our teeth don't you know we don't have cavities and they don't rot and fall out and maybe bad breath as well so we all wrap we can wrap our head around that right we have to brush our teeth so we don't get those cavities so if we if we distill that that's teeth maintenance well we also have these things called joints you know all over our body our teeth are are pretty cool because uh obviously they help us chew um you know smile you got a good looking smile but that's really all they're doing. You know, they're not the, the utility of the teeth obviously are important, but when it comes to your joints, I mean, they're like 2% of the importance. So we've got, you know, all these different joints, hundreds of joints. Um, and we need to be doing some type of joint maintenance in the form of an active stretching uh, routine. Now, do you have to spend hours a day doing that? No, you don't. As long as you're doing effective techniques, and that's something we can dive into um, and depending on your goals, you know, whether you're an athlete, whether you're working out or just, you know, you hate working out, you hate going to the gym, you know, you should be doing something and, and kind of the benchmark I give everybody is that you should be performing an effective, active stretching routine anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes a day, three times a week. You know, that's kind of like the, the boxes that we should check again to 
um, provide that maintenance to our joints so that we can prevent pain, injury, as well as move better in life and do the things that we love to do in life, whether it's play with our kids, whether that is working out, running, hiking, all those things. Um, so yeah, the, the long answer there is uh, yes. Everybody, everybody, all of us, you know, as I, as I think forward, you know, cause I'm focused obviously a lot on uh, longevity performance optimization. And, you know, we know that, that when old people get old, a fall can be the beginning of the end. Most folks who, um, you know, who sustain falling injuries in their, in their older age, um, have a hard, really hard time recovering. And I wonder about, mobility. I wonder about strength and flexibility as it pertains to just being able to stay on your feet when you get older. Uh, just sort of an idea that, that sort of popped into my head. Uh, let's let's start by debunking some of these stretching myths, because I, I think I speak for everyone when I say that stretching is, is it's kind of it's kind of boring. It's sort of a burden, things that people don't want to do. You know, it sucks, especially if you're, you know, if you're not very flexible, you know, to sit down and go through all the stuff. And, but, but like we were saying before the, the microphones turned on that there are a ton of bad information, people out there that are just talking all the time about stretch and, and they're doing it wrong. And so let's start with some of the big stretching myths uh, right from the get go. Yeah. So the first one is that, um, just do we need to stretch? We kind of tackled that one already, right? Like, so we need to stretch. And the second one is that, uh, static stretching is, is the way to go. Um, so there's really a couple different decisions you need to make, you know, as a human, um, it's especially when you're, you know, listening to this podcast, you are interested in longevity, health, performance, et cetera. Um, you know, one thing that I, I say to a lot of people is that, most uh, joint replacement surgeries could be, should be prevented and avoided. Uh, people are getting joint replacement surgeries earlier and earlier. You know, you hear people when they're 40s. I've even, you know, worked with patients in their 30s. And um, yeah, is there a very small percentage of people that have genetic predisposition? Um, essentially, the way they were born, their joints were born, that eventually they might have had that wear and tear that led to a joint replacement, knee replacement, hip replacement, etc. Yeah, but that's a very small percent, way less than most people attribute to that, and even experts attribute to that. So to back that up, yeah, um, we need to be stretching. And then the second one there is the static stretching piece. So to break that down for the listeners, uh, unfortunately, static stretching is what most people are doing. And that's, that is the boring stuff, right? Um, that is the, all right, this seems like kind of a waste of my time because essentially, unfortunately it is, you know, if we look mm -hmm. at the research, static stretching has been shown to increase injury risk and decrease performance. So it's something I always repeat just to get it to sink in there. Uh, static stretching has been shown to increase injury risk and decrease performance. So, you know, if I ask you or I ask anybody that takes the time out to stretch, like, what are your goals? And they'll say, you know, so I'll actually ask you, Sean, what are your goals with stretching? Uh, injury prevention, um, flat out, you know, um, jujitsu four to six times a week, you know, really pushing the boundaries of my body. And I want to be able to bounce back quickly if I, if I get sore, you know, I'm putting, you know, I'm getting arm barred, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting twisted up kind of, kind of all the time. 
uh, I want I want to prevent injury and and increase mobility so that I can <clears throat> be a better jujitsu practitioner. Love that, and I've worked one on one with a lot of BJJ players, um, as well as we've got a lot of uh, Brazilian jujitsu uh, practitioners that use the Movement Fault app. And so, you know, if we think about, um, so yeah, I hear the same thing. I'll kind of touch back to the the BJJ piece there in a second, but. Yeah, I hear the same thing, um, you know, when I ask people, like, what are your goals with stretching? Um, and they'll say, you know, I want to increase my performance in, you know, my workouts or running or whatever it is. And just like you prevent injury. But again, and then I ask them what type of stretching they're doing. And they're saying static stretching, or I'll ask them to show me in person when I was working with more uh, people in person all the time. Um, static stretching, right? And so, Again, static stretching, increase injury risk, decrease performance. Unfortunately, it's like our actions, what we're doing isn't aligning with what our goal is for the thing, you know, that we're doing in this case, stretching. And so then I have to break the news and you had the goal of decreasing injury, uh, preventing injury to perform better. And just to, a lot of times I hear like warm up for my workouts and I have to break the news, uh, you know, that's not the best use of your time. And it actually can be Deke, like you're actually better off not stretching at all than static stretching before a workout or, you know, a, a athletic endeavor. Um, so it's actually a net negative. And so people are like, whoa, what, why, you know? And so that's where it comes to active stretching. And so active stretching is when you stretch out a muscle or a joint. And then once it's maximally stretched out, we're going to contract those same muscles while they're stretched out, which is different than a static stretch aka passive stretching, which is where you would just stretch out a muscle or a joint and then just relax into the stretch. So to give mm. some examples, a static stretch for the people that are watching this, if I'm pulling my shoulder across my chest and kind of pulling it in in that classic like uh, deltoid shoulder stretch, and I'm just relaxing there and just kind of holding it in, that would be a static stretch. If I'm doing the classic tricep stretch where I'm putting my arm over my head and, you know, just kind of stretching it out, static stretch. Another what, one is what, what about bend over and touch your toes and, 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 you know, exhale at the bottom and, you know, keep stay down there. Is that static stretching? Is that, that's a bad deal. Static stretch as well. Um, now is the, the question is, yeah, you should absolutely be able to bend down to touch your toes and you should, you know, you should be able to do that movement as a human. Um, but yeah, that's another static stretch. Another common one is the classic quad stretch where, you know, you're standing up, you grab the back, the, the front of your ankle and then lift your leg kind of backwards. And that's going to stretch out your quad, another static stretch. So again, you're just stretching out there, you're relaxing, you're breathing into it. Um, and so active stretching has that stretching component where we're stretching out the muscle or the joint, and then we're contracting the muscle, uh, at different intensities. So we could do a 50% muscle contraction for one rep, and we can hold that for 10 to 20 seconds. We could do a, um, you know, and then we can ramp that intensity up. So 60%, 70%, kind of depending on what our goals are. And then we would hold that for different periods of time. Um, so examples of active stretching, the, the version that you said um, for the hamstring, right? So that's a common stretch, whether you're standing up, bending down to touch your toes, or sitting on the ground to reach forward and touch our toes. Um, static stretch, What's an active uh, stretch version for that would be if you were standing up and you put your heel, say like on a box or a bench, kicked your hips back until you feel a nice stretch in the back of your you know, upper leg, which would be your hamstrings, the muscles that we're targeting. 
once we're in that maximal stretch, you're going to drive your heel down into the box bench, whatever your, your leg is on. And that's going to cause that, that hamstring to contract while it's maximally stretched out. So then you're going to hold that again for 10 to 20 seconds. Again, depending on what our goals are for that session, you know, we could be a 50% uh, contraction intensity, or we could just be pushing as hard as we can. Um, and so that's, that's really the difference. And so with active stretching, we're improving mm -hmm. our end range of motion, mobility, strength, stability. Um, there's a whole lot of benefits to it. So that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's really a big, um, misinformation that essentially, you know, I don't think a lot of these influencers and other people that are passing on the information are doing it in like bad character. They just haven't spent the time to take a step back. Let's first look at the research, right? Cause we always want to be research-based. All right. What, what has been done over the past X amount of decades, but then even taking that knowledge, taking a step back, looking at first principles and just even connecting dots with what we know about human physiology, um, you know, the nervous system, how that works, et cetera. And so unfortunately, you know, they read a blog, they see another Instagram post or a real TikTok uh, post that went viral. So they're just regurgitating that same post, trying to get more views. And um, yeah, unfortunately it's, it's perpetuating. That's what stretching is and that's what you should be doing um coupled with that's just what we've been taught growing up you know yeah middle, middle school high school etc today's episode is brought to you by the amino co the most cutting edge rigorously researched amino acid formulations in the world and they have an absolute insane offer for you if you keep listening to this ad with over 30 years of experience and over 500 medical research papers published it's my go-to for recovery and muscle building as an optimal performing biohacking dad with BJJ and a ridiculously busy schedule, I want to put the best quality stuff in my body that I can. I use the Amino Co's 100% science-backed formula called HEAL the day after especially strenuous 90-minute Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu training sessions. My 40-year-old body gets pretty banged up competing with 20-year-old studs, and HEAL helps my body recover faster than anything else I've taken. The Amino Co's Heal Blend is 100% science-backed, and it was originally formulated based on research funded by NASA. Heal is three times more efficient at triggering muscle growth and repair than any other protein source. Let me repeat that. Three times more efficient than even the best quality grass-fed beef I can find. If you want to check out their science or try any of my favorite products for yourself, head to AminoCo.com forward slash OPP and use the code OPP for 30% off. That's AminoCo.com forward slash OPP and use the code OPP for 30% off. An insane offer for a world-class product. Yeah, yeah. I've already learned something. I, I mean, I didn't even realize that you know, going into a stretch and then contracting the muscle is the way to go. And I don't, I don't think most people listening right now know that that's preferred to stretching it out and then relaxing into it and keeping that as, you know, to, to keeping that stretch and just like and not contracting the muscle. So that's, so that's new. One of the things that, and maybe tell me if this is wrong or right, but this idea of doing that sort of static stretch before activity actually puts that muscle and puts those joints, they've been stretched out 
And then you go try to do fast twitch actions, right? If you're playing basketball, you, you know, you're, you're, you're doing that sort of strategy, static stretching, the muscles are, 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 are stretched out all the way. And then you're just sort of sitting there and then you go try to do a movement and, and that's using that sort of explosive motion, but you have stretched the muscle out. So it can't, it's harder to contract. And that's where injury comes from or could come from. Is that, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, that's basically accurate uh, for the most part. So if we dive into like what's happening with a static stretch or what we think is happening, right? Like, you know, we're always figuring things out. When I say we, not me personally, but, you know, researchers that are doing the the hard lifting here. Um, but, you know, at Movement Vault, uh, we do a, a ton of our own research as well. Um, so, you know, without getting into too much uh, info, we're actually in the, in the early stages of talking to one of the top universities in the country about uh, conducting a uh, RCT, a randomly controlled trial um, on movement fault, active stretching versus static stretching on injury rates. But anyways, uh, that's a side note, uh, but that's really, that's pretty cool stuff. Um, Cause we wanna help not only obviously, you know, people understand what stretching is, what it does, you know, make sure they're doing the, the, the correct thing, but also professionals, you know, so that they can look at some, some more solid research to make uh, decisions. But when it comes to static stretching, essentially what we're doing is you're stretching out that muscle or, or that joint and you're just relaxing there. And then usually what happens is you can go a little bit deeper into that stretch, right? After you sit there for 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, whatever it is. And so what's happening there, because you did actually increase your tissue extensibility, whether that tissue is a muscle, a tendon, fascia, ligament, uh, et cetera. And so what we think happens and you know what happens is you're basically bypassing the stretch reflex. So our body has all these innate reflexes that help us protect us, right? That's what our nervous system is there for. Um, and they're kind of like safeguards. You can, you can kind of think about them like that. Um, so your nervous system, when I say that, I'm talking about your spinal cord, your brain, and the muscles that, or I'm sorry, the nerves that come off your spinal cord to innervate your muscles. They're controlling the whole, the whole thing, right? They're controlling you when you don't even have to think about it. Now, you want to actively be able to move your body, contract muscles when you think about it, but you also need your nervous system in the background. You can think about it as your bodyguard, you know, just always there. All right, you don't have to think about your bodyguard doing something, but your bodyguard's watching and it's going to try to keep you safe. Um, so when you're doing that static stretch, uh, you bypass that stretch reflex. You're not contracting anything, just like you said. You're not um, improving muscle engagement because part of the the benefits of active stretching is you're actually connecting again your brain and your nervous system to specific muscles because you have to you have to think about that muscle that you want to contract and that has been shown to improve what's called uh, proprioception which is just a fancy term for saying body awareness and what i see with people that sit way too much don't move in varied enough uh, ranges of motion often enough, which is essentially most of the population, is we actually lose touch um, with certain muscles, right? Like we just lose optimal muscle activation, you know, of, you know, a common thing that we hear a lot is the core musculature, all the mus muscles around the midsection. And so when you're doing active stretching, you're, help, you're, you're improving that muscle activation, which is extremely beneficial. You know, you're not doing that with static stretching. And, you know, just to kind of get back to your point there, 
when you're when you're not activating these muscles, when you're not contracting them, when you're not um, you know getting that nervous system involved in the way that we want to, you're getting the nervous system involved by bypassing that stretch reflex. Yeah, you're just going into a workout or a athletic endeavor, whether that's super explosive stuff, maybe you're sprinting, or maybe just slow controlled um, you know movement that still demands you're lifting weights or maybe it's a body weight movement your body and nervous system essentially hasn't um, been prepared adequately for that movement, right? And just like you said, especially the end ranges of motion, that's when we typically get injured. So I'm, I'm going on a long rant here, but I don't know, you can stop me if you want, but uh, when we new, normally get injured, um, it's in our extremes of our joint range of motion. So an example that I, I give, because people can visualize it, is the, the elbow or the bicep muscle. Now, your, your extremes of your range of motion is the stretched out range of motion when your elbow is completely straightened. That would be one end range. And then the other end range is the shortened range when you're essentially you've finished your bicep curl as much as you can. Your elbow is bent as much as possible. Those are the two end ranges, right? And those two end ranges are where your joint is the weakest and slash your muscle is the weakest. We're using the bicep in this, um, you know, this example. And so you're weakest there and you're also more prone to injury there. You're going to be the strongest in your mid range of motion. So like if you're doing a bicep curl when your elbows are at a 90 degree angle. Um, so if we can improve that end range of motion strength and stability, you're going to be able to decrease and prevent injury risk, and you're just going to be a better, you know, mover in general, whether that's in BJJ or you're doing squats, uh, et cetera. I have to imagine that a lot of people are tight in the hips because we sit all day, right? Most of us sit and work and sit and work. We get up and walk around a little bit, but most of us, um, you know, are sitting most of the day, I think. Um, what are some concepts or paradigms of active stretching within your awareness and the movement vault that will help to, you know, stretch out those hips. And, and, and maybe you can affirm or, you know, not this idea that we're sitting all day and then we get up to move and we got the back thing and the hips are tight and all that stuff. Like what's, what's a good stretch for people who sit most of the day? Yeah, most people are definitely sitting most of the day. I always have, there's a couple of different like thought experiments I have people do, um, you know, if, uh, more so when I was working with them in person all the time. Um, but we post this stuff in the Movement Fault app as well. If you add up the amount of time that you spend in your day, either not sitting or laying down, even if you say work out for an hour a day, you know, so you, you add up all the time that you're maybe walking to and from your car, or maybe you take a, a train or a bus, that time you're standing, um, walking in your kitchen, et cetera, all that, all that time, it's really not that much time at all. You know, it's, we're talking like two to three hours of time that you're not sitting or laying down. Now, you know, we, again, I like to look at first principles, you know, how the human has evolved from what we know. Um, is sitting the worst thing in the world? Absolutely not. You know, there, there needs to be time for rest. Um, we can't be moving all the time. Uh, so, a couple different problems there, you know, our body adapts to the positions that we spend the most time in. Mm. And so over time, 
And it's, it's an amazing thing, right? The body's capability to, uh, capable of adapting, whether that's what we're eating, whether that's, you know, going into a sauna over time, that's whatever it is, our body is adapting. That's, that's beautiful. Um, but it's not so beautiful if we're hunched over our desk, you know, looking down at our phone, you know, our upper backs rounded, our necks jutted forward, our, our shoulders are rounded. We're using a backrest. So that's a huge key that I like to, I like to kind of double click on is using the backrest when we're sitting, uh, because that's essentially taking out the demands of our midsection core. So that means, you know, not just our six pack ab muscles, but our internal and our external obliques are what's called your quadratus lumborum and in the muscles in the back as well. They're just taking a vacation. They don't have to work anymore. You know, like your backrest is now your core musculature. Now, is that bad to do, you know, X amount of minutes throughout the day? Absolutely not. You know, like I'm pretty sure humans have been, you know, sitting up by rocks or sitting by a tree. Um, well, let me, let me dig in on that a little bit. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. Because I, you know, when you look, especially at Asian cultures, they squat, right? They squat down, ass to grass, feet fat, flat on the ground. And, and that's their, that's their leisure. That's their, you know, when you see people do that, when I see people that I'm like, holy shit, look how easy kids are really good at this too, right? Just squat down, feet flat on the ground, butt down. I would have, you know, sitting around a fire or sitting in chat and, you know, or sort of our ancestors came, came from that. And and so maybe we were leaning up against rocks, but, but I would assume that, that a lot of us just kind of squatted down and that was our sort of repose for the day. So keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would totally agree. I think there's a definitely a lot more, um, hanging out at that bottom squat position. Um, yeah. And it's, it's definitely a, a position that, every human should be able to maintain, like you should be able to get into that bottom of, of a squat and just casually like have a conversation. Like we should be able to do a lot of this podcast just in that bottom of the squat, five, 10 minutes. Um, but you know, so, so going back to the, the chair analogy and sitting too much and causing tight muscles and tight joints. Yeah. Over time, um, you're not going to come become that position overnight, right? Like I said, your body adapts to the positions that you spend the most time in. It's just, the consistency that you do something, then your body adapts. So, you know, it's not going to happen in a week or a month or maybe even a year, but it's just the accumulation over time. And you will eventually, unfortunately, become that position. And so you'll, you'll have the, the rounded upper back, you'll, you'll lose optimal activation in the midsection core. That's not to say that you can't fire your, your core muscles anymore because you wouldn't be able to stand up straight. And there's another misconception like, oh, you can't fire your glutes, you know? Well, you wouldn't be able to stand up if you couldn't fire your glutes. It's just losing optimal activation of, of some of the uh, muscles around your, your hips and around your midsection core, which is a huge piece in low back pain. So people are sitting all the time throughout their day. Um, and on top of that, they're not getting in enough varied movement throughout their day. So you could be a runner, you know, I, I run 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, whatever you're doing, you could be a weightlifter, you're, you're doing, you know, bench, you're benching, you're squatting, you're doing these things, whatever it is, most people aren't getting enough varied movement. And when I say that, it, it means rotational movement and side to side movement, because most of the movement that we're doing in our day is straightforward. It's going to be just basically walking straight forward. It's going to be bench pressing straight forward, doing a push-up straight forward. Squatting is essentially um, a straightforward motion for the most part. And that's called the sagittal plane um, of motion. So we've got, we've broke it down with three different primary movement 
patterns and uh, planes of motion for human movement. And that's uh, the sagittal plane straight forward and back, the frontal plane side to side, and rotational movement. And the last two, the side to side movement and rotational movement is what most people are lacking. And so mm. again, your body adapts to that. And those muscles, it's usually on the side of the body. So like the, and it's usually these stabilizing muscles. So like your rotator cuff muscles, um, or your, your deep hip internal rotators, external rotator muscles, or even the side of the the hip muscles, such as the gluteus medius, you know, we, we, be, those muscles become weak. We lose sub, uh, we lose optimal activation of them and your, your, your body becomes tight because you're not, you're not rotating that much. You're not rotating your hips often. So that it's going to get tight. And that's the, the, the pain and injury cascade. It's, it's sitting too much with, with uh, lack of varied movement. And then that's going to lead to tight muscles and tight joints. And so if you're performing a movement or an exercise, whether that's bending down to pick up a box or, you know, a BJJ move or a, a workout in the gym, or tying your shoes, tying your shoes, playing with your kids. That's kind of the number one. I wouldn't say the number one. We hear that often, you know, like with our movement fault users, it's like, man, I've had back pain for so long. I'm an active person. I do this, this, and this, or, you know, I'm a FedEx driver. I sit all day. And I couldn't even play with my kids anymore without, you know, four out of 10 back pain. And it was really debilitating my life. I thought I was stuck with it. And, you know, they start using the movement fault app, et cetera, were able to help them. And now they're, they're living an awesome life, but yeah. So then that the tight muscles and tight joints leads to compensation. And so if you don't have mobility, say you said, bend down to pick something up, if your hips are tight and an example we used before the hamstrings and you go down and and say in, in this instance, you can't touch your toes. Um, well, if you go down to bend to pick something up and you can't touch your toes, there's no way you're going to get into that position. Um, I should say you, you can't bend down to pick up that box in a relatively good position. Now, if it's just like an empty box, who cares if you round your back? You know what I mean? Like that's a, a natural human movement. We should be able to round our back. But if you're picking something up that's got a little bit of weight to it. I'm, I'm not talking about a, a deadlift, even just like a 10 pound box or a 10 pound child. Um, and you go down there and you don't have that hip mobility. Well, then what happens is if you're going to be able to perform that movement, the movement and the joint mobility has to come from somewhere. So it's going to come from the next closest joint usually. And in the, the case of picking something up from the ground, whether it's straight in front of you or to the side, it's going to be your low back that compensates for your tight hips. And so the, the low back's going to round. It's going to be in a less than optimal position when you're picking something up heavy. Most people don't have, you know, resilient low backs. If you're like a power lifter that's been, you know, lifting with a rounded back for 30 years, well, that's a little bit different because you're a little bit more resilient there. Still, is it optimal? Yeah, maybe not. But, uh, but anyway, that's where most people get injured. And it might not be that one time where you go down to pick something up, but it could be a repetitive thing that builds up and then all of a sudden, boom, you're stuck with low back pain. Um, or it could be a one-time thing where it's a little bit heavier. You go down to pick something up, maybe you turn to the left and pop, you get a bulging disc herniation mm. and that starts the whole cascade. And so that, that compensation at your low back is leading to wear and tear, which that wear and tear usually leads to pain and injury. And mm. that's the whole vicious cycle that that gets, you know, repeated until you get to the root cause of the issue. And the root cause is essentially making sure that our joints aren't tight, you know, so we don't have that compensation, we don't have that joint wear and tear, and then we don't have the uh, the pain and injury. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah. So just just even talking about it, I just you know I can I can feel people just going, oh god, like just thinking about bending over and and something super simple, something fairly light that then causes them to have some sort of injury. Like it's a scary, that's a scary situation. Um, how do you think of stretching before versus after activity? Um, so if somebody's going to be doing some type of workout or you know athletic endeavor. If they can active stretching before the workout. So we always give the guidance, you know, people uh, reach out to us all the time. Should I be doing movement fault before or after? And it's again, if we're doing active stretching here, it should be before the workout because that's going to help you improve your range of motion. It's going to improve that joint stability. It's going to improve your, your nervous system engagement, getting you primed up for the movement. It's going to improve, again, your body awareness, all the things that we want to do before a workout. So 100% before. Um, and just kind of a follow-up here. It's like, people are like, oh man, you're really, you know, you're really dogging on static stretching. Well, fortunately I am, <laughs> because that's not only what the research says, but what I've seen, you know, working with patients for about a decade now, uh, whether that's elite professional athletes down to the person that's, you know, 85, that's never worked out in their life. So should you ever static stretch, you know, passively stretch kind of what we talked about before? Well, it goes back to the question, are you getting at least three active stretching sessions in throughout your week to provide that joint maintenance? And so if you're doing that, then okay, then uh, I say you check that box, you can do a little static stretching, uh, maybe on a, a recovery day, uh, working on some nice deep breath work, diaphragmatic, more of a relaxation piece, maybe never before a workout, maybe it's after a workout, you've got a few minutes, you just want to relax, breathe get your nervous system kind of down-regulated, get that parasympathetic uh, nervous system going. But keep in mind, if you have the goal of improving your joint mobility, joint stability, joint proprioception, balance, all these things that we talked about, you're not doing that with static stretching. And that's again why I, I say that. So yeah, preferably before um, a workout. Hmm. Okay. There's a, there's, there's a couple of sort of movement and stretching paradigms that I've followed and, and, and a lot of them make sense. And what you're saying makes tons of sense to me. Uh, you know, especially, you know, just don't static stretching is not a good idea. It's just flat out, not a good idea. Unless even if you're, you know, you're on top of things, you're, you're doing lots of active stretching, you're, you're fit and strong and you just want to kind of stretch and relax, maybe then do some of the static stretching, but I'm looking at these other paradigms you know, I'm thinking of like Kelly Starrett, you know, the supple leopard. I'm thinking about um, uh, Eric uh, Eric Goodman from um, uh, Foundation Training, which is really, spe you know, specific to the back. But there's one guy that I, who is kind of sensational. Um, and I've been, he's, it's called Functional Patterns. I don't know if you've seen this guy on uh, around Functional Patterns. And it's all of these like, crazy twisting motions it's like explosions and um you know on on like uh, machines and all this twisting and throwing balls and stuff like that and he he basically says nobody should stretch ever um and and he shits all over yoga um because yoga is like it just it's damaging to all of your muscles it's you know it, it's it's super interesting to watch him in in his in his domain of expertise and in his dogma some of his results are pretty extraordinary people with scoliosis and a curved spine you know that, that improve their posture and their mobility so some of it uh, obviously is working for people but 
the way he goes so hard against stretching and maybe he's just talking about static stretching, but he really thinks that everyone should just stay away from yoga. What's your opinion on yoga? Because I know that there are some movements, a lot of the movements you are, you know, you're, you're getting into a pose and then you're holding it. You know, you're, you're, you're maintaining that strength warrior two, you know, whatever downward dog doing sun salutations. But I'm curious, like, is, do you have problems with some yoga poses and some movements? Do you think it's generally good, generally bad? So yeah, along my, I guess, movement journey exploration over the last, you know, two decades, I've definitely practiced quite a bit of yoga. Um, just because, you know, as a, cause I want to study everything, right? Like, um, I want to look at the research. I want to learn from the best people out there all over the world, you know, cause I'm not reinventing the wheel per se. And then, you know, that's, that's basically how movement fall came up, came about is, you know, I'm looking and scouring for, I'm, I'm just like a research, like, um, hungry for it, you know, so I'm looking at all this research, I'm learning from the breast, you know, all over the world. And then I'm just taking little nuggets here, little nuggets here, little nuggets here. And then I'm playing around with that. And I'm, I'm kind of um, putting my own spin on it per se. And so in that journey, yeah, I've, I've practiced quite a bit of yoga. That's a difficult question. I get that relatively often, just because there's so many different flavors of yoga. Um, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to stand up here and be act like I'm a yoga expert, but I, I know, you know, enough, um, you know, traditionally how it was practiced and, you know, kind of how it's practiced here in the, the U.S. nowadays. Um, there's still, you know, so many different flavors in the U.S. And, you know, it could be like a, a core power yoga where you're doing, you know, it's more of a workout versus like more of a traditional, um, you know, so many different poses or like a uh, a 90 minute Bikram session. I mean, there's just so many different poses. Um, I think there's positives and there's negatives and it really kind of depends on who the teacher is, um, who, what kind of place you're going to or studio, because usually it's like the studio is going to dictate to a certain extent what the kind of flavor of yoga is. And then more so the, the instructor. Um, I have done yoga that incorporates some active stretching uh, pieces like even um, even say like a warrior two or a warrior three those are essentially you're basically like maintaining a a, sh a body shape or a position and that's essentially an isometric hold for the most part and with active stretching what we're doing is end range of motion isometric holds but very specific to a joint angle and to a specific joint now some of the those positions in yoga can be helpful for sure. Do I think that they're the, the best way to improve joint mobility? If we had to say like, I have 10 minutes a day here, um, again, three to four times a week, I want to get the best bang for my buck in those 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Uh, yoga is typically not going to be the best route to get that way, to, to get those, um, you know, benefits that you're looking for. Um, but to say, you know, I'm always a proponent of any type of movement doing what, doing what you love. You know, I don't yeah. want to just purely, um, you know, poo poo on yoga altogether. I have been to some, some very poor yoga classes, just like I've, you know, I've, I've kind of dipped my toe in every kind of like fitness I've been, you know, there's, there's good instructors, there's bad instructors. Um, so the, I guess my, my answer or my opinion is that it really depends 
Um, with that said, I haven't been to, at all the yoga that I've done, I haven't been to one class that was like, all right, this is going to be the optimal way to do this for 10 mm -hmm. to 15 minutes to improve. Um, can you make some improvements with, say, uh, a class that's using a lot of active stretching holds positions? You, you definitely can. Um, there's also static stretching involved in there. Um, you know, these spine twists that we're just holding on passively. That's a common one, you know, hugging the knees in. Um, there's a lot of passive static stretching in yoga just traditionally. And again, you guys, <laughs> the, the audience and you, you know, my, my position on, uh, static stretching. So if it's yoga, that's including a lot of static stretching, not a fan. Um, mm. if it's, you know, a, a class or instructor that's got more active positions in there, more of a fan. Um, but usually typically it's not going to be the optimal way to, uh, improve. But again, you love doing yoga. Hey, by all means, I, I want you to continue doing what you love. And, um, I'm just here, you know, not only here on your podcast, but in the world, um, telling people the most optimal way to do it, you know, based off the research, based off the results that we're getting and based on just, you only have so much time, right? So if, if your goal is to prevent injury, decrease injury, um, increase performance, all these things that we're talking about, then, you know, that's why I'm here kind of, uh, talking about my message. Um, and then I guess to double down on that, some of the yoga poses, um, again, depends on the, the, uh, the instructor, but there's a lot of people getting injured out there, um, in certain, you know, yoga poses, but you could say the same thing for any fitness class. Um, there's a lot of people getting injured if they're just, if their bodies aren't ready for it. You know, it's yeah. like, it's almost, and it is funny that actually, I just kind of came to my, 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 uh, my memory. We've actually had, cause we, we have people reaching out to us all the time that are movement fault users. We have users, you know, um, thankfully we're very appreciative of this, uh, stat. We've got users in over 40 different countries. Um, and we have yoga practitioners that love doing yoga, whether they're instructors or just, you know, people that love doing yoga that have used movement fault to get better at yoga. Sure. Because, you know, a lot of times what we're doing is we're focusing on the shoulder per se. Not, not every movement we do um, is just say like isolated to one joint, but there is a need for that. You know, we need to isolate just the shoulder or just the upper back or just the hip external rotation versus doing a big global movement, such as say a warrior two, which, yeah, you're getting a little bit of ankle stuff in there. You're getting a little bit of hip uh, stretching in there, you know, maybe some rotation at the the upper body. But um, yeah, that's, that's always cool to hear when, you know, we're actually helping somebody improve at yoga. Um, so, well, you, you made a great, a great point. And I think this, this goes to any sort of, you know, fitness classes or, you know, uh, any sort of physical paradigm where you're going and doing an action with an instructor is if you're doing a movement that you know, might be problematic for you, you know, if you're really extending yourself and then holding and you feel out of control or, or, or not in a strong place. And the instructor's like, okay, go further, go further. Now breathe all the way out and hold. And you're like, this ain't right. This doesn't feel good to me. Like I I'm, I'm really pushing, pushing my boundaries. That's something you should look at. You know, I'm talking to you CrossFit, you know, uh, CrossFit's amazing. I, so, I mean, so many of my friends have, have really changed their life and, and their physique doing CrossFit. And also they're like the number one, um, offender of pushing people past their boundaries and not in a good way in a, to a place where they're overexerting or over pushing or 
you know, putting themselves in, in danger of injury. And, and, you know, and I'm not trying to be namby pamby because I, I, I like to push hard. You know, uh, I think a lot of my listeners do, they like to, they like to really extend their physical performance. They want to be optimal performers, but you got to listen to your intuition too, especially as you age thinking about, you know, am I, am I carrying some extra weight around right with me right now? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this movement. You know, am I stiff from a workout yesterday and maybe I shouldn't be doing this movement. So I, I would, I would to, to carry on your point, I think you should be, trust your gut, trust your intuition and be smart and know where you're at on any given day. You know, did you have, you know, four drinks last night and you're waking up for a 6am yoga class you know, you can probably want to take it easy. You want, want to be a little bit more careful. Um, did, did, did yeah. You want to, yeah. Add yeah. To that? So, I, yeah. I, so I got a couple of different um, kind of follow-ups on that one. So yeah, CrossFit, amazing, right? Like if it's with, and I've been to a, a bunch of different CrossFit gyms, um, some that are just have really excellent coaching, um, really have a good, like on ramping, making sure, all right, what is your body capable of? Because whether it's CrossFit or whether it's bodybuilding, whether that's whatever you're doing, you need to have the prerequisite joint range of motion for that activity, right? And so like, if you push your yourself or your joints past your mobility limit for that day, that's where the joint compensation is going to come into. And that's where you know, when you compensate, it's going to lead to joint wear and tear. So that, for instance, like a squat, cause that's a pretty common, um, movement that a lot of people are doing, not the most demanding, you know, obviously like in CrossFit, you know, if we're doing like a, a barbell snatch, that's a lot more demanding than that. Um, but you know, if you're, you're doing a squat and say you're working with a trainer, amazing trainer, right. But for whatever reason, um, you know, they're, they're giving you the best cues in the world, knees out, you know, like balanced in the middle of your foot. Um, they're just giving you every good cue. You can't out cue a mobility restriction. You know, you can't out cue tight joints because no matter how like, you know, precise and amazing that trainer is, you know, giving you this, this cue and connecting with you personally, if you have a physical joint restriction, words aren't going to do anything for that. Your, your joints tight. And so if you're trying to get down to a parallel squat in this instance, but you don't have the adequate hip mobility and ankle mobility to do so, mm. then yeah, you can push down until your, your upper leg or your thighs are parallel, but that doesn't mean you're still going to maintain good form, you know, say, so in this case, your low back might round because you don't have the hip mobility. Now you went past the, the bandwidth or the limit of your hips. And now another joint has to compensate and that's the low back, or sometimes it'll be the heels lift off the ground or your knees, knees buckle inward. Um, so that's a big piece there is like you said, minding your body, knowing your mobility limits. I always tell people to perform your, you know, every exercise that you can through your full available range of motion, that's going to help you maintain and potentially even improve your mobility a little bit, um, versus doing just like either a limited range of motion you know, just like a partial squat, even though you could go deeper or say, you know, you're doing the opposite extreme. You're just trying to get, um, you know, ATG astagrass squat when you're, you should be nowhere near that. Cause you don't mm. have the, the ankles and the hips, but yeah, I've seen, uh, CrossFit gyms that are amazing, not so amazing. Um, and yeah, you need to, the, the, the problem comes in is when you're trying to do these really tough movements 
and even a squat, you know, if you're, if you don't have that joint mobility and you're trying to push past it, that's where the joint wear and tear comes in. That's where mm -hmm. the pain and injury comes in. So yeah, hundred percent agree on that one. Yeah. Know yourself, know yourself in all aspects. Is there, do you have opinions about nutrition or supplementation for mobility? I wish there's, I joke around with, um, you know, if we could just like take a pill and all of a sudden, you know, we'd have amazing active mobility again, not just flexibility. Cause that's what people, can I take a pill for flexibility? Um, you know, flexibility again, doesn't, uh, translate into anything, um, other than maybe doing the splits on, on social media, which is, is cool. But when we look at active movement, you know, being too flexible is actually a bad thing. You know, that's what's called hypermobility. And that's what leads to, uh, some joint wear and tear in its own respect. But as far as uh, supplements go, um, I actually do have some functional medicine training as well. Uh, so I've, I've got that kind of background. So I've, a little bit of diverse background there and really up on quite a few supplements per se. There's nothing that's going to help you, unfortunately, improve your, your mobility, really. Um, so no, no collagen or fish oil or stuff like that? I mean, well, that, that's the caveat. So if you have some, whether it's global inflammation whether you've got, you know, whatever, you know, you could have a chronic illness, Lyme disease, you could be living in a moldy house, you could be doing a lot of things. Um, you just have kind of run of the mill inflammation, etc. Yeah, if you're taking something that's going to globally decrease your, um, your inflammation, say just overall in your body, or in your brain or in a specific joint, obviously, if you're taking a high bioavailability curcumin, that's not going to be isolated just to target your your, your shoulder, but it's, you know, hopefully going to work globally. Yeah. In a sense, um, if you have inflammation limiting your, your range of motion taking, yeah, say like a, a high quality fish oil, uh, a curcumin. I mean, there's a whole host of different herbs supplements that can decrease, uh, inflammation, uh, scutellaria biclinensis, AKA, uh, Chinese skull cap, um, you know, lots of different stuff, even berberine, berberine is kind of hot right now just for like glucose stuff, but that's even has some anti-inflammatory. So these, these herbs are kind of multi-directional, um, a lot of them, but, uh, you know, I would say diet, you know, I mean, like trying to figure out your diet first. I mean, it's, it's so individual to everyone, but I think most people can agree that just limiting processed foods, you know, some of these really crappy oils for the most part, um, is going to decrease that inflammation. And if you're inflamed, then, you know, that's going to be a restriction, um, mm -hmm. on your joint mobility. So I think it's, it can help. It just depends on the situation, but yeah. at the end of the day, you know, really getting into the root cause, um, is going to be the, the most benefit. Yeah. What, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, diet or supplementation that, that decreases inflammation is, is sort of the, the, the big picture there. Um, which obviously, you know, I, I totally understand and agree with, um, what is hypermobility? Yeah. So hypermobility is essentially when the joint is too, um, too flexible. We just don't have good joint stability. So you can think about that as like double jointed. You see people, you know, growing up like, oh, I'm double jointed. I can put my, you know, shoulders in this weird position, or I can, you know, put my leg behind my head, um, that's essentially a demonstration of flexibility. Um, and so that's when you mentioned collagen. Um, yeah, that, I'm, I'm a, uh, a fan of that as well, because, you know, getting in, in good quality collagen, you know, potentially helping, you know, like 
help like type of deal, um, you know, help helping joints there. Um, but when it comes to hypermobility, collagen um, is just too elastic. It's too stretchable. It's too flexible. So that means a lot of times it's the ligaments around a joint. So you've got, so a joint essentially is two bones, right? That, uh, that move. And you've got the, the joint in between the two bones and connecting those two bones are ligaments, usually number one. And those are, for the most part, from what we understand, passive, right? They're just, you don't have the active ability to like contract them to make those ligaments move. Um, so you have those, that connective tissue, you've got tendons that cross the joint. A tendon is continuous with the muscle. You've got fascia that just runs continuous. You've got nerves that run through there. Even bones actually considered a connective tissue. Um, so hypermobility is essentially when your joints are sloppy. You just can't control them Control them well. They're just too, too flexible. And I, I, I use the word mobile. Uh, I don't use the word mobile on purpose because what a hypermobile person needs is active joint stability. They need to A, sometimes remodel the, the tissues that surround the joint. And, and the human body, again, is amazing at adapting to force. Um, and so if we, if we create force and put force upon those tissues, such as ligaments, tendons, all these things in specific ranges of motion, and that's where the, the active stretching comes in, fully stretching out a, a joint um, and then contracting that, we're creating internal force in our joints. Our body's going to adapt to that and is going to help remodel this collagen that makes up all these tissues to a certain extent. Um, and so that's, you know, that's basically what hypermobility is, is being too flexible um, and we can't control our joints. How common is that? Um, I don't know the stats per se. It's uh, from, you know, my sample size and, and people that I hear from, it's, it's relatively common. Uh, it just depends on, there's, there's different levels. Like, is it more of a, you know, when I say genetics, kind of one of the things I say is that like your back pain wasn't caused by genetics or, you know, genetics obviously plays a role in a lot of things, but it's, it's really lifestyle, how we're living, you know, whether it comes to disease or it's, it's more a, a flexibility back pain issue. Um, so there is a genetic component obviously to, um, hypermobility. But again, um, there's different flavors too. So like uh, those in the chronic illness uh, that have chronic illness, there's a, some correlation there with hypermobility. But if you had to say, who is it more common? And it's typically on the female side for the most part, uh, being more hypermobile, hyper, you know, hyperflexible, if you will. That's why one of the reasons, say, you know, studies have shown that, um, say soccer players, for instance, high school soccer players, college soccer players, the rates of ACL tears and injuries are extremely high compared to those of males, specifically mm. of in the high school um, kind of age group, just because their their hips are really flexible, but they don't have good joint stability and joint control of the hips. And so when the hips, you, you don't have good hip control and hip mobility and hip stability of those muscles surrounding the hips, then your knee is going to compensate just like the low back compensated for the, the hips. And when the knee compensates and it twists, um, you know, it can, it can tear. Um, obviously there's, there's some, um, some traumatic contact injuries, but some of these studies have kind of, um, parsed those out 
And so um, it's relatively common, but yeah, I'm not saying it's all female. Males can have it as well. I've worked with plenty of males. And so the key there is if you're hypermobile and you're static stretching, that's like really bad because <laughs> mm. you're just passively like trying to get even more flexible what that person needs just like everyone else obviously it sounds like i'm saying this is is for everyone because it is is uh active stretching it's like stretching an already loose rubber band as far as it can go and holding it there and going a little bit further and a little bit further until it you know the inevitable happens it's an amazing analogy yeah um what's 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 one sort of mobility myth that that you get a lot that people just sort of like, oh, it's con you know, it's common knowledge that this is this is the this is a thing. Like what maybe one or two sort of common myths that you that you experience quite a lot? One that a lot of people bring up is the um the foam rolling and um essentially, you know, muscle release stuff. Um you know, some people are, that's all they're doing is just foam rolling. You know, there's, uh, there's some people that just say foam rolling has no place, you know, it doesn't work. Um, it's all in context, right? So if we look at foam rolling, you know, what is it doing or what do we think it's doing at least? Um, so when you foam roll or say you're, you're on a, a mobility ball, you know, trying to release quote unquote, release a muscle, or if you're just going to a skilled uh, manual therapist, whether it's a physical therapist, chiropractor, massage therapist, etc., they're using their thumbs, doing some type of technique, maybe it's an active release technique, etc. These are all forms of what we call manual therapy. So in the case of foam rolling, mobility ball stuff, that's self, um, you could call it self-induced. It's basically self-manual therapy versus going to someone else. They're doing that manual therapy to you. So, you know, a lot of people think that they're breaking up muscle or muscles um, or not in their muscle when they're doing this foam rolling. But the research shows that that's probably not is that's probably not what's going on. Actually, it's, it's shown that thousands of pounds of force are needed to deform connective tissue fascia. So you'd literally have to, you know, run over your quad with your, you know, big old truck. Um, in that case, I'm definitely not suggesting that. Um, so like from a physical standpoint, are we actually like breaking up connective tissue? It doesn't seem like that's the case. Um, but foam rolling mobility ball, you know, stuff, whether you're going to your practitioner and they're digging in that stuff works with a caveat. So a, why is it working? And at this point, what we what, what we think, um, and it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I always say we, at, at the time, what we think, cause you know, science is always changing, but this, this, this makes a lot of sense, um, is it's having an effect on your central nervous system. Mm. So your central nervous system is whether that's due to repetitively hanging out in a position for too long and say like your shoulders are rounded forward, but your, you know, your rhomboids are like, you've got like a small amount of activation going on to kind of, uh, try to connect, correct your posture. Um, so you've got that low level of activation in those rhomboid muscles. Um, or maybe you got injured, uh, your low back, and now you have tight hamstrings per se, because your nervous system, like we said before, is like your bodyguard remembers everything. And whether you're one years old or, you know, 87 years old, it doesn't want you to injure your low back again. And if it doesn't think you're safe, then it's going to put the brakes on a certain movement. It doesn't want you to bend down 
to pick that thing up again. And one of the ways it can do that is to send a low level, um, you could say like discharge or activation to those hamstring muscles, which will cause neurological tightness. Mm. And so that's going to, it's going to shorten the hamstring muscle to a certain extent. Now, using that example, when we foam roll the hamstrings or, you know, you're, you're, someone's digging into your hamstrings or doing it correctly. Well, if you did a pre and a post test, yeah, you will a lot of times increase your hamstring extensibility, AKA your hamstring range of motion after you do so. So for using that context, like, yeah, it's effective at increasing that range of motion. Um, but if that's all you're doing, it's going to be a short term window. It's only going to last a specific amount of time. And again, that's technically a passive modality. If you're just doing like a classic hamstring, um, foam roll, but how you can use this importantly. So I always, I always tell people, if you're just foam rolling, you know, yeah, it can be effective. It's going to be a short term, uh, range of motion gain, but it's somewhat similar to the static stretching, not exactly, but you're opening up that range of motion. And you're actually not using it. You're not controlling it. When I say using it, you're not contracting those muscles at their end range of motion, which is having, you're basically, you're convincing, I use this analogy, you're convincing your nervous system that you're strong and stable there. Um, and so if you foam roll your hamstrings, all of a sudden you got a couple more inches of length, you can touch your toes now. If you went about your day later in the day, you might go back to being tight because you didn't really fix the problem. It was just like a short little Band-Aid. So what I tell people is that, yeah, those, those, those techniques are effective, but you shouldn't just be doing that. We need to follow that up with active stretching and muscle activation exercises uh, so that you're using that available range of motion. And so those combination of the, the manual therapy plus active stretching, a lot of times can have exponential uh, benefits. It's kind of like, you know, one plus one equals five type of deal. Mm. Um, with that said, I don't think that um, everyone, you know, every mobility session, stretching session needs to have some type of foam rolling involved, but it can be a good adjunct, um, you know, to something. That's interesting. That's a cool way to look at it. Just because it feels good and is relaxing and, and you have, you know, you can bend over and touch your toes doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually helping yourself in the long run. It's just sort of a Band-Aid, you know, temporary fix, which I think is an interesting way to think about it. Cause there's something to be said for, Oh, that feels good. Oh, that feels nice. Oh, you relax. And that's, you know, that's, that's good for your central nervous system, but it's not, it's not making you more flexible. You know, it doesn't necessarily, I think that's a, that's a cool way to think about it. Um, well, this has been super interesting. I mean, uh, I I've learned a whole bunch and it really has changed you know, I, 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 I've known for a while that stretching before exercise, static stretching before exercise is not a good idea because it's, I feel a little, you know, a little extended out over my skis, you know, and, and what I would, what I, the way that I'm going to apply some of this, um, uh, in, in jujitsu, because we do do some static stretching as part of the warm up and cool down, um, at training is I'm going to contract that muscle at that, at that, uh, at that stretching point. Um, because I think that that's, it's, it makes sense to me and it's going to protect and strengthen and, and increase mobility and make me a better mover so I can choke people. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the point. That's the goal. Uh, 
Yeah, I yeah. love, again, I love BJJ. Um, I've done some beginner classes myself. It was hard as the physical therapist in me is like, you know, when we were yeah. practicing and there's some pretty high, this is back when I was in New York City. So I was at some high level uh, gyms um, and, you know, they're, they're kind of doing the demo. Like you said, they got like the 10 minute warm up. We're doing the, the run in circles around the ring around the mat. Um, and I was really surprised my first BJJ class intro, I was like, man, really all this static stretching. There's a, there's a few things that, you know, we did some kind of like crawling moves on yeah. the ground, which, um, you know, kind of hip escape stuff, which I love that. I think that's, that's really good, uh, from like a, a functional movement, uh, specifically to BJJ, but all the static stretching, I was like, man, this is, this is so old school and outdated. Like really? Um, and when it comes to like static stretching, like you said, BJJ is all about positions, right? Obviously, you know, thinking a couple heads, uh, steps ahead, et cetera, it's like that chess match. But if you're super flexible, yeah, you can get into that position, but you can't, you don't have good end range of motion stability. You don't have good end range of motion activation of those muscles, which, you know, if you're trying to escape an arm bar, um, being flexible is not going to help you really at all. Um, you you yeah. need that end range of motion strength and range right. of motion stability so that you can fight there for maybe an extra second or two and allowing you to maybe, you know, reverse that, get into a better position, escape um, versus just, you know, you're, you're super flexible and they just crank on your, on your shoulder or your elbow. And then all of a sudden you tear, tear ligaments. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, applying that to BJJ is, um, it, it's, it's really the way it should be. I mean, we're kind of, uh, we work with some, some gyms, some BJJ gyms as well. So yeah, whatever gym you're at, uh, don't hesitate to uh, reach out. Yeah, I will. Uh, well, where can, what, what should people do? Where would you send them on the internet? Yeah. So I would, uh, they can check us out at movement vault. That's uh, movement. Like it's spelled V a U L T.com, uh, to learn more. Uh, we've got an iPhone app so they can go to the app store again, type in movement vault. Um, essentially what, what it is, is it's, you know, like we've been talking about, it's active stretching, muscle activation exercises with some muscle and fascia release, uh, techniques at certain times. And it's a new active stretching class every day, anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes long. Um, you know, we focus on different areas of the body, kind of depending on that day, like today could be a shoulder and a upper back day. Tomorrow might be a hip and ankle day. Some days we have uh, full body, uh, sessions and that's how most, uh, users use it for the most part is they, they kind of get in, they open the app, they do their, their daily stretching class for that day. Um, but we also have 1500 plus other video classes, uh, to choose from such as pre-workout classes, recovery classes, which are a little bit more gentle. Uh, we've got work routines, which are amazing for, um, you know, people at work that are at their desk. They're literally designed to be performed at their desk. And then we have uh, complete pain and injury programs, such as our 16 week low back pain program, 12 week neck pain program, plantar fasciitis program. Um, so we've got really a diverse offering within the app. And then we also have a uh, virtual mobility assessment, which basically takes you through 14 different tests. Uh, after you're done with that, you know, maybe it takes you about eight minutes, gives you a total mobility score, as well as a score for each individual joint in your body, um, which has, has been really cool to, to allow our users to track their progress over time, as well as give them some information of like, do I need to focus a little bit more on my hips today or, you know, uh, et cetera. So 
yeah, check us out at uh, movementfault.com or the app store. Um, and we're on, you know, we, we always try to post some information too on all the social platforms. So we're, we're at movement fault. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, I enjoy, I enjoy it. Um, yeah, that's great. So maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't, but I ask the same question of each of my guests and it's a fill in the blank question and you can elaborate as much or as little as you want. And this can be just based on anything that you know, but please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing. So I'm going to give two answers here. Cause obviously there's the, you know, you the, cheater. there's, there's the obvious, obvious answer here, knowing the benefits of active stretching. Um, but we, you know, we, uh, we delved into that quite a bit. Um, so that's, that's the obvious answer. The second, uh, answer is, um, if they knew the benefits of, we'll just, I'll, I'll keep it, I'll keep it to my, uh, my, my expertise for the most part. Cause you know, there's a bunch of different ways we could go with that with, you know, <laughs> I can see your, I can see your wheels turning right now, man. Calmness of the mind. I'm thinking like, you know, I'm dipping into my functional medicine training, you know, I'm like, um, underlying inflammation just, you know, again, with the, the benefits of active stretching, just movement in general, you know, um, there's no magical posture that you can be in throughout the day. There's no, um, you know, magical potion that you're going to rub on your joints, that copper like band isn't going to cure all your problems. <laughs> um, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. You know, humans were meant to put some effort in to reap benefits. So there's going to be some effort involved, whatever we're doing in life, you know, um, whether that's from a body perspective, uh, you know, a relationship perspective, business perspective. And so the easy way is usually not um, going to give you long-term uh, lasting results. And when it comes to movement, just moving in a bunch of different ways throughout your day is, is going to help you quite a bit. And, mm -hmm. and don't, don't, don't use that backrest. That's my last piece. <laughs> Good. <laughs> this has been awesome, Grayson. Thank you for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much.